0: CHAPTER Six OF HOW THEY SUCCEEDED This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Wayne Cook. HOW THEY SUCCEEDED by Orison Swett Marden THE BOYHOOD EXPERIENCE OF PRESIDENT SHERMAN OF CORNELL UNIVERSITY At ten years of age, he was a country lad on a backwoods farm on Prince Edward Island. At thirteen, he had to become a clerk in a country store, at a salary of thirty dollars a year. At eighteen, he was a college student, supporting himself by working in the evenings as a bookkeeper. At twenty, he had won a scholarship in the University of London, in competition with all other Canadian students. At twenty-five... He was a professor of philosophy at Cadia College, Nova Scotia. At thirty-eight, he was appointed president of Cornell University. At forty-four, he was chairman of President McKinley's Special Commission to the Philippines. In this summary is epitomized the career of Jacob Gould Sherman. It is a romance of real life such as is not unfamiliar in America. Mr. Sherman's career differs from that of some other self-made men, however. Instead of heaping up millions upon millions, he has applied his talents to winning the intellectual prizes of life, and has made his way, unaided, to the front rank of the leaders in thought and learning in this country. His career is a source of inspiration to all poor boys who have their own way to make in the world for he has won his present honors by his own unaided efforts president sherman says of his early life it is impossible for the boy of today, no matter in what part of the country is brought up to appreciate the life of prince edward island as it was forty years ago at that time it had neither railroads nor daily newspapers nor any of the dozen other things that are the merest commonplaces nowadays even to the boys of the country districts i did not see a railroad until late in my teens i was never inside a theatre until after i was twenty the only newspaper that came to my father's house was a little provincial weekly the only books the house contained were a few standard works such as uh, the bible Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, Fox's Book of Martyrs, and a few others of that class. Remember, too, that this was not back in the beginning of the century, but little more than a generation ago, for I was born in the year 1854. My father had cleared away the land on which our house stood. He was a poor man, but no poorer than his neighbors. No amount of land, no amount of work, could yield much more than the necessaries of life in that time and place there were eight children in our family and there was work for all of us a long tramp to school our parents were anxious to have their children acquire at least an elementary education and so summer and winter we tramped the mile and a half that lay between our house and the district school and the snow often fell to the depth of five or six feet on the island, and sometimes, when it was at its worst, our father would drive us all to school in a big sleigh. But no weather was bad enough to keep us away. That would be looked upon as a poor kind of school nowadays, I suppose. The scholars were of all ages and everything, from A, B, C to the rule of three, were taught by the one teacher, but whatever may have been its deficiencies, the work of the school was thorough. The teacher was an old-fashioned drill-master, and whatever he drove into our heads he put there to stay. I went to the school until I was thirteen, and by that time I had learned to read and write and spell and figure with considerable accuracy. The age of thirteen I left home. I had formed no definite plans for the future. I merely wanted to get into a village and to earn some money. My father got me a place in the nearest town, Summerside, a village of about 1,000 inhabitants. For my first year's work, I was to receive $30 and my board. Think of that young man of today. $30 a year for working from 7 in the morning until 10 at night but I was glad to get the place. It was a start in the world, and the little village was like a city to my country eyes. He always supported himself. From the time I began working in the store until today, I have always supported myself, and during all the years of my boyhood I never received a penny that I did not earn myself. At the end of my first year, I went to a larger store in the same town, where I was to receive $60 a year into my board. I kept this place for two years, and then I gave it up, against the wishes of my employer, because I had made up my mind that I wanted to get a better education. I determined to go to college. I did not know how I was going to do this, except that it must be by my own efforts I had saved about eighty dollars for my storekeeping, and that was all the money I had in the world out of a hundred and fifty dollars, the only cash he received in his first earnings during three years. young Sherman had saved eighty dollars. this he invested in the beginning of an education. When I told my employer of my plan, he tried to dissuade me from it he pointed out the difficulties in the way of my going to college and offered to double my pay if i would stay in the store the turning point of his life that was the turning point of my life on one side was the certainty of a hundred and twenty dollars a year and the prospect of promotion as fast as i deserved it remember what one hundred and twenty dollars meant in prince edward island and to a poor boy who had never possessed such a sum in his life. On the other side was my hope of obtaining an education. I knew that it involved hard work and self-denial, and there was the possibility of failure in the end, but my mind was made up. I would not turn back i need not say that i do not regret that early decision although i think that i should have made a successful storekeeper with my eighty dollars capital i began to attend the village high school to get my preparation for college i had only one year to do it in my money would not last longer than that i recited in latin greek and algebra all on the same day and for the next 40 weeks I studied harder than I ever had before, or have since. At the end of the year I entered the competitive examination for a scholarship in Prince of Wales College at Charlottetown on the island. I had small hope of winning it. My preparation had been so hasty and incomplete. But when the result was announced, I found I had not only won the scholarship for my county, but stood first in all the competitors on the island the scholarship i had won amounted to only sixty dollars a year it seemed little enough but i can say now after nearly thirty years that that the winning of it was uh, the greatest success i have ever had i have had other rewards which uh, to most persons would seem immeasurably greater but with this difference, that first success was essential. Without it, I could not have gone on. The others I could have done without, if it had been necessary. For two years, young Sherman attended Prince of Wales College. He lived on his scholarship and what he could earn by keeping books for one of the town storekeepers, spending less than one hundred dollars during the entire college year. Afterwards, he taught a country school for a year, and then went to Acadia College in Nova Scotia to complete his college course. A Splendid College Record One of Mr. Sherman's fellow students in Acadia says that he was remarkable chiefly for taking every prize to which he was eligible. In his senior year, he learned of a scholarship in the University of London to be competed for by the students of Canadian colleges, the scholarship paid five hundred dollars a year for three years. The young student in Acadia was ambitious to continue his studies in England, and saw in this offer his opportunity. He tried the examination and won the prize. During the three years in the University of London, Mr. Sherman became deeply interested in the study of philosophy, and decided that he had found in it his life-work. He was eager to go to Germany and study under the great leaders of philosophic thought. A way was open for him through the offer of the Hibbard Society in London, the prize being a travelling fellowship with two thousand dollars a year. The honour men of the great English universities like Oxford and Cambridge were among the competitors, but the poor country boy from Prince Edward Island was again successful, greatly to the surprise of the others. At the end of his course in Germany, Mr. Sherman, then a doctor of philosophy, returned to Acadia College to become a teacher there. Soon afterwards, he was called to Dalhousie University at Halifax, Nova Scotia. In 1886, when a chair of philosophy was established at Cornell, President White, who once met the brilliant young Canadian, called him to that position two years later dr sherman became dean of the sage school of philosophy at cornell and in eighteen ninety two when the president's chair became vacant he was placed at the head of the great university at that time he was only thirty-eight years of age president sherman is a man of great intellectual power and an inspiring presence though one of the youngest college presidents in the country he is one of the most successful and under his leadership cornell has been very prosperous he is deeply interested in all the affairs of young men and especially those who as he did must make their own way in the world he said the other day though i am no longer engaged directly in teaching i should think my work a failure if i did not feel that my influence on the young men with whom I come in contact is as direct and helpful as that of a teacher could be. End of Chapter Six.